Mm-hmm. Um, some pastors, I think just because they're a pastor, they think they're a counselor. Yeah. Um, and because they know the Bible, that they know everything. I don't right. know what that is, but yeah. um, you know, it, there's a difference. I've met people like that too. Yeah. I'm William. I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. Willie is a hospice chaplain. And we've been friends for more than 20 years. We've had thousands of conversations about things that matter and things that don't. So now we're inviting you to join in. Each week we pull a topic out of the hopper and talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. Hey, Willie, you got any uh, off-color jokes that you can tell on the air? Off-color jokes that I can tell on the air. I'm not sure, yeah, but so I like jokes. That's I like risky, jokes. right? We're threading a needle here. We're threading a needle. Let me think. Let me think. I, I do know the one about the guy from Nantucket. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, this can't go on the air, but um, uh, one time I was at a, a Young Life camp of all places. Yeah, okay. Uh, we were sleeping in a, a room full of bunks uh-huh, uh-huh. with a bunch of people that I knew from school and yeah. a bunch of other people I didn't know. Okay. And, and also Young Life leaders. Okay, yeah. Okay. And one guy kept telling jokes at night when everyone's trying to fall asleep. Yeah. And they were all like your mama jokes. Okay, sure, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. And uh, they they were funny and they were getting some laughs. And, okay. Uh, but it was also, when you're trying to fall asleep, it was also, yes. he's also annoying people. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So I started thinking of my own your mama joke. Okay, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, after he had gone on a, a tear of these, and people were like, hey, go to sleep, go to sleep. And he uh-huh. was, you know, it, it, there was a pause. Then I said, this is what I said. Uh-huh. I said, uh, your mama is like a McDonald's. Okay. Uh, you stand in line. I said that at a Young Life camp. Oh my goodness! Yeah, in front of my Young Life leader. Yeah. Did you? Did they kick you out immediately? (laughs) (laughs) They did not. Um, and there was there was an awkward pause and then a complete uproar of laughter. Yes, of and course. Of course, you know everyone was roaring, and I I just wondered if the young life leader was was roaring in that laughter, if he was biting his tongue to prevent himself from laughing, or if he was horribly offended. I don't know. Don't know. But yeah. you know, I wasn't really a believer at the time, and I liked foul language and bad, dirty jokes. And yeah. He was asking for it, and I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Yeah. You know, I you, you and I grew up differently, and so the dirty jokes that I know are are not uh, are not funny. They're dirty mm-hmm. just to be dirty, because that was scandalous, and so yeah. And right. they're they're not that interesting. They're just yeah, you know, whatever. Um, what does a horny toad say? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that can go out either. No, I, I, I'll bleep that one too. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's just that's just a really good short one. That's you know, that's a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. There are advantages to growing up in in that kind of, uh, and probably disadvantages too. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, have you got a topic for us? Um, yeah, I want to talk about. Uh, some of the latest psychology and counseling. I don't want to like uh, talk about all of it uh, comprehensively. I want to talk about one particular area. Okay. And that is um, the book Safe People. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. You've read this. You like this book. Safe People. I have not read the book. Oh, I thought you had. No. 
Um, and you've read. Boundaries. I know the concept. I love boundaries. I've actually yeah. read it many times and have recommended it to others and have gone through Bible, you know, like study groups on boundaries. I've taught boundaries. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I have seen these two books um, help people. Yes, and I have seen them harm people. Yes. And no one uh, is really talking about that that I know of, so I thought we ought to talk about that. Okay. I have not seen... So uh, we talked a little bit about it, but it, I want to hear more of your story because Boundaries has been so helpful to me and to the people around me that I don't have personal stories of how those concepts have hurt people. So, yeah. Yeah. So let, let me just um, let me just give a like a 3,000-foot view of what we're talking about yeah, with sure. safe people. So okay. the premise is that there are people that take and hurt mm -hmm. and you should be able to identify them mm -hmm. and avoid them. And yes. likewise, there are people who want to love and support you and help you grow yes. and they are the safe people. Yes. They're the people that you would share more pro personal information with or yes. take more yes. risks with or spend more time building a relationship with. That's right. And um, the concept, uh, to put yeah. it in the language of boundaries, which is a book that I'm a lot more familiar with, is the exact same concept. But you would say that someone with good, safe boundaries Boundaries is someone that you can trust, and especially if you've got terrible boundaries by things that have happened to you or, or mm -hmm. uh, the way that you've been brought up or those kinds of things. You've never been taught to have good boundaries. You need to practice good boundaries with people who do have good boundaries because you're going to get it wrong sometimes, and those are people who are going to be able to forgive you and to welcome you and, to, and not take advantage of you having bad boundaries. And so that's I think it's a, the same exact concept using slightly different language. Yeah. But until you have good boundaries, and then people who you don't need to stay with people who are safe. But when you are very, very vulnerable to have someone who is looking to take advantage of you, and right. you're not, you can't tell who's going to take advantage of you, who's not. <clears throat> uh, a lot those people are seeking you out. That's for mm -hmm. sure. And so you got to be really careful about that. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I. I sort of know this. I, I'm, you know, one of my, I think my gifts is discernment. Mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah. And I can read people and I can read situations. You're very intuitive, yes. Yeah. And so um, I have not uh, really relied upon any of this teaching myself. Mm -hmm. I think I do it somewhat naturally. For me, mm -hmm. it, it's been some sort of a um, common sense yeah. sort of um, premise mm -hmm. that there are people who, um, who are toxic and there are people who are just more damaged and yes. there's just a wide variety of people out there. Yes, sure. And and so I, I you know, I'm I'm evaluating body language and yeah. tone and all uh -huh. kinds of things go into like a like this, you know, a computer in my head that's telling me uh, to what degree will I will I trust this person or yeah. share with this person or what or spend any time with this person at all, right? And probably for you, it's not even very cognitive. It's right. like your spidey senses are up, yeah. like something's wrong and yeah. you've learned to trust that. Yeah, yeah it, it's and it's been really, really reliable. I don't know if it's like just a natural thing or if it's born out of something or it, it just, yeah. In the last five or six years, um, maybe a little bit longer, about that time, I have really developed that sense uh, through some therapy that I was in. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have found my own sense that way to be very, very reliable. Uh, but it's only been in the last five or six years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know just what you mean. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was not a... Um, I, it's not something I thought. Oh, I should teach this, mm. right? I should mm -hmm. I should teach mm -hmm. this to other people. And I know that you have taught the boundaries yes. book and that premise because there are uh, people who don't have good boundaries. Mm -hmm. And in every church, there's going to be some who are taking advantage of others or or kind of violating 
their boundaries or don't understand that they need to be more discerning. Or, that's right. Yeah. Churches seem to be, that would, that's, that's basically true, I think, of all organizations. So right. at your work or at your bridge club or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it seems like church is, uh, churches are more vulnerable to uh, people taking advantage of others because you have a church is welcoming for people who are hurting and then welcoming of all people, and especially those who are hurting. And so you say, oh, let's collect all the people with bad boundaries, all the people who are really struggling and vulnerable. Let's collect them all in one place. Well, guess who else is going to be there? Those who want to take advantage of them. Um, And so, yeah, I think churches are uniquely vulnerable to these kinds of traumas and traumatic people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that that's that's part of navigating life. Yes. yes part of being yes, yes. the human race. Yes. And uh, the people need to have sensibilities mm-hmm. and need to have skills and yes. they need to have some knowledge. And if they don't, um, I think these books are very helpful. Yes. Let me give an example. Yeah. Someone who has been abused as a child mm-hmm. may not have an understanding that they are allowed to say no Correct. Uh, in their life as an adult about all kinds of things. Yes. Not just, you know, sexual advances, but but all kinds of things they can say, you know, I'm not going to do that. I don't have to do this. Right. I don't, and, and they, because of the trauma, they feel that they must comply. They must, comp, you know, comport to everything that's yes. that's pressed upon them. They're yes. very easily manipulated. Yes. Um, and therefore they need to learn this. Yes. Um, and more than just reading a book, mm-hmm. they need to have therapy with this yeah. where they can establish their... They may need therapy with it. Depends on how severe it is. Right. Sometimes... People can read the book and have a, a self-awareness to be able to say, oh, now that I have these insights, I can start to put this into practice on my own. But you're right. There definitely are people, many people, who are not able to do it just by reading the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, before I say some of the uh, the really negative encounters I've had with yeah. this, uh, yeah, yeah. is there more that you would like to say um, that, that you've seen that's utility or, you know, how it's been very productive? You mean... Uh, Teaching these kinds of skills. Yes, yes. Yeah, I can't. I can't say enough for how how helpful um, the book of the boundaries book and other books like it in in that kind of cluster in that world mm-hmm. have been to me. So in the fi- last five or six years, um, as I have, I went through a very traumatic um, uh, time in my life and sought therapy and helped and and uh, my way of finding some. Uh, help for any problem that I have is through reading. And so I read and then I got into therapy and that kind of thing. And it has, I've gone from having basically a black and white life to having a color life. Hmm. And uh, understanding my own history and my own brokenness uniquely and specifically so that I can heal and, uh, and move forward. The concept of being able to trust people. Some people are trustworthy and some people aren't. Um, For me personally, I have a tendency, I've got some attachment issues myself, and my personal attachment issues mean that I have, my inclination is that I have no confidence that anybody else around me is interested or willing to help me in any way. Uh, And Mm -hmm. so I am by myself. The truth is uh, that, that that is... Um, that that's not reality. There are people who want to help me, but my my uh, I, I have been um, molded to believe that no one wants to help me, which means that I don't open up to anybody, and it uh, and so this has allowed me to find people that I can open up to slowly. It's a 
pro- it's a work in progress for sure. It's going to be a lifelong struggle for me. But these are the kinds of things that I'm, I'm starting to learn, or I started to learn, and now I'm on this journey to trust my intuition, to trust my feelings, and that has uh, it's completely changed the way that I mm. see the world. I have skills of intuition, the same way that you do, I think. I, I don't want to compare. I don't mean it, it, not exactly the same. I don't mean to compare. But the kind of, when you say in, that you're intuitive, that you have a sense of people, I do too, and I'm, I didn't think that I did. I'm, it's, it's like I'm discovering a you're new discovering. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is, it is becoming, like over time, as I'm learning to rely on it more and more, it's there, it's God-given, and it was suppressed, and, not, and, and I was not able to access that. I, I'm able to learn more about people, about God, about myself, in, in a way that I just, I just can't go on and on enough mm-hmm. about how helpful this has been to me. And yeah. you have a very different experience. Yeah. Well, you know, it's. Um, hmm. I, I think that that's that's really true, and that's really valid. Um, and uh, I have noticed that most people are more intuitive than we give them credit for. Fair enough. Or they, or what they're willing to say. Mm-hmm. They might have their internal thought mm-hmm. and an evaluation of an interaction with someone, and they're not going to ever say a thing about mm-hmm. it because they don't have any. Um, they, they don't have any interest in persuasion. They don't have any, yeah. they don't want a conflict or whatever it is, right? Yeah. For other reasons. Um, but I, I keep telling people when I'm talking to them and they're always trying to sell you something about their behavior. Oh, yeah. Um, I say people, people aren't buying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are more intuitive than you think. Mm-hmm. They, they know that mm-hmm. you're trying to cover your tracks. You're trying to, to, to provide an excuse mm-hmm. or a reason mm-hmm. for what you're not calling sin, for example, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, it, in this realm yeah. in the safe people boundaries realm i've seen it horribly misused yes um and i wanted to talk about that just so that, that it could warn other people good um and let me give an example uh so a couple's having trouble mm-hmm. okay and the wife goes to a bible study okay um they've been having trouble okay okay marital trouble for so some they're, time they're married but they married been having difficulty for some time and, yeah yeah um and she comes back from the Bible study, and the husband says, uh, hey, what was the Bible study about? Uh-huh. And she says, um, that's kind of a boundaries issue. Okay. Um, uh, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to have a marriage or do you not? Um, right. that, that's not a boundaries issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a common, ordinary question that any husband would ask any wife about whatever she's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Another example. Well, yeah. okay. okay, so it's so boundaries issue, but also, so let me affirm what you're saying yeah. and, and make it a little bit more nuanced. Uh, she may be thinking, uh, he's asking about something that was revealed in confidence in the Bible study, and of course she shouldn't say something that's revealed in confidence or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, but that's not what his question was necessarily. Um, and especially when you got fighting couples, you can, uh, maybe that is what he means, mm-hmm. but if it's just like a general question, Hey, what was it about? I'm she can come up with something. Um, and so then, right. yeah, 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 right. yeah. Why, why use that as a tool of division? When, oh yeah. When no, she's, he's that, reaching are, out, yeah. trying to connect. If he is reaching out and trying yeah. to connect, assuming that he is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so another example, uh, mm-hmm. a guy uh, and his wife are having trouble yeah. and there are some people speaking into, uh, their lives and he doesn't like what they have to say. Mm-hmm. And so then he labels them as unsafe. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, so that is, and now I saw this on a church wide level yeah. where a pastor was teaching these, um, 
these doctrines, basically, uh, and applying them to people's lives at a way that was not about people who had been abused and didn't have sensibilities about how to interact. This was this was in a hyper sense, and mm. that you're evaluating every person, you're scrutinizing every person um, to decide whether they're safe or unsafe. Mm. And if they get that moniker, mm-hmm. if they get that label mm-hmm. um, that they're unsafe, now you have permission to not uh, deal with them charitably, lovingly, wow. to not forgive them, to not talk to, or, or treat them well, yeah. um, to uh, to basically bar them from fellowship. Yeah. And yeah. so I saw this going on, and the church turned into little circles, yes. little cliques yes, 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 yes. Of, of, quote, safety, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And then um, people who were on the outside and felt scrutinized and misunderstood mm-hmm. were... In, uh, you know, in some some false righteousness, mm-hmm. treated as villains, mm-hmm. excommunicated even, mm-hmm. um, and so I saw this this destroy a church, yeah, because it was so applied to the masses. And my best yeah. guess there is that the guy teaching it, um, you know, I almost I almost feel really sorry that, that whatever happened, whatever trauma, mm-hmm. whatever brought him to a point where he was so distrusting of mm-hmm. people in general mm-hmm. that he had to apply this to an entire church mm-hmm. that who would be safe and who would be unsafe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that scrutiny, you're either in the inner circle, which means you're drinking my Kool-Aid, you're being, you're, you're um, someone that I can control mm-hmm. and protect myself from. You're, that's yes. the safety is like my protection, my self-preservation. Yes. Or you are you know, you question me, you, st- you, um, you don't agree with me, mm-hmm. you, in any way, you, know, you can get that label. Mm-hmm. There were so many ways I saw it misused. Mm-hmm. You get that label and now you can't be in fellowship yeah. to the same degree. So it set up this tiered society. Yeah, sure. And it destroyed the church. Of course. Yeah. Um, that, it, okay, yeah. so I'll say that is not... The concept of boundaries and I'm assuming safe people. I think I, uh-huh. I, I know of the book, but I haven't read it. Yeah, that is not what that's about at all. In fact, the whole concept is not in or out. It's about and we're not. How can I say? Safe people is I'm going to open up my life and my heart to be vulnerable to those who are safe, but not to those who are not. But it's not just an either or. It's a continuum, and we are stay in relationship with people who are not safe. And hoping that they will continue to, uh, but we don't allow them, I don't don't want to become a doormat, but I'm continuing to invite people in at a place where I feel comfortable with vulnerability to that person uh, in a way that's safe for me and safe for them. But writing people off? No, there's never that, that. And then allowing some, you know, people to question me. In fact, it is those, uh, the concept of boundaries is that people should be able to question each other's boundaries and renegotiate the boundary. Where And uh, someone who is really safe is precisely the person who uh, is able to, uh, to, uh, to challenge me, but to do so in a loving way, not attacking. There's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, that whole concept is there's a big difference between a loving challenge and an attack. Those are very, very different, and you need to learn the difference between those two. But... Uh, someone who is safe is going to challenge you for sure, for sure. That's how they can tell they're safe in part because when you're going about to go off a cliff, they're going to rescue you from that. Yeah, and that requires challenging. Yeah, I think that um, 
I think that that's true and not entirely true. Okay, tell me. Um, so there, there is uh, just just good old fashioned truth. Yes. Um, and so, I don't think in order for me to speak truth, certainly at a congregational level, right? I can I preach, and whoever's there is there. Yeah, that's and true. And I don't have any relationship collateral with people who come in the door. Um, I don't have the right to be heard, or I haven't earned the right to be heard. I'm just yeah. speaking truth, and they can receive it or not receive it. Yes. That also functions at in relational levels, too. Yes. Um, and so the you, I don't want to ever be guilty of not listening to kernels of truth, even if they're painful, because I don't have a relationship that's established as safe. I want to listen to the truth no matter what. I also want to not jump through a million hoops um, to, to, in order to speak into someone's life. If I'm going to say something that's helpful or truthful, I don't, I don't necessarily have the, the, the um, bedside manner or the skill or the longevity or the time to go to a bunch of football games, you know, whatever it is, to build that, to get to the point where, you know, maybe they can hear or not. Um, yes. You I, see what I'm saying? I do, but there's also, yes, you're, you're talking about um, truth coming, truth can come from anywhere. That's true. Yeah. However, there are people whose boundary issue is, and you mentioned this earlier, um, they can't say no. Whatever someone else says, they, they just feel automatically compelled to agree with that person. Yeah? And so, uh, they, and so it's very difficult, extraordinarily difficult, to evaluate the truth or falsehood of, someone, of what someone says about you. So you say, you're an idiot. Okay, it, it, for some people, when they hear that from anybody, then it is just true, and they feel that way, and that that somehow defines them. Well, that's a person with poor boundaries, and let's remove you from someone who keeps saying that. Does that make sense? So speaking the truth, so mm-hmm. you, you're saying I, that I want yeah. you say I want to hear the truth from wherever it comes from. Okay, you do a you do a pretty good job of of evaluating truth and falsehood, but not everybody does. Uh huh. And so those folks need to be careful about where the messages that they're receiving come from. Right. And I haven't, I haven't, I have not always done well. Mm-hmm. Um, I have hurt people speaking truth, mm-hmm. right? I and, know you have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and spoke too soon or too harshly or too um, persuasively. Um, and I've backed off of that as I've been sanctified and gotten truth older. Truth can be used as a weapon. Yeah. And, and of course I wasn't, uh, that was not the intent. Indeed. Um, uh, I believe that. Yeah. The, the, the things that I'm thinking of. I know of, you well enough that I yeah, believe that. Where people were hurt. There were times when, when I was hurt by people and it was really super productive for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. There's a difference between hurt and harm. I get that. Yeah. And there, there are things that, there are communications that I don't like. Mm-hmm. But um, what I saw people doing in this church in particular was, mm-hmm. was if I don't like it, it's not safe. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That is problematic. Yeah. That's hugely problematic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a there's a large section of the boundaries book that talks about the difference between harm and hurt, and that all of us, if we're broken and if we're human, we are absolutely we need to be hurt. But sometimes you can't tell the difference between what it feels like to be hurt and what it feels like to be harmed. Mm-hmm. And so harm is something that we need to that's not good. That's abuse. But hurt sometimes feels the same. And so distinguishing between those two is not always easy. And it sounds like what the, the situation that you were talking about 
everything that hurt was called harm. I think so. I mean, as far as I could discern, mm-hmm. you know, I just saw that there was there was a heavy scrutinizing of people. Yeah. There was a a, a first class, second class kind of tiered wow. society. There was yeah. like it was it was clicked and mm-hmm. um and there was there were gatekeepers mm-hmm. into those circles mm-hmm. as far as, you know, who has issues and who doesn't. Yeah. Um who's on the naughty list, who's on the nice list. Yeah. It was very controlling. Yes. And it was very self-preservating. Mm-hmm. And I would even challenge what you said earlier. Uh, that it, separation isn't always the answer. Um, that sometimes we're talking about things that are just life skills. Mm-hmm. That I'm not talking about someone who's abusive. I'm talking about just you know, if someone calls you an idiot, that could happen anywhere. That could happen okay. in a Walmart store. Yes, yes you yes, need yes. to be able to deal with that. That's right. Right. Well, that's right. And so separation. We need is, the tools. Give them the tools to to yes, deal with no, that. I, I, that's right. Separation is not always the issue, but I think separation is sometimes a, a good solution. Sometimes. Sometimes. And maybe not most of the time. Right. I'd say it's not most of the time. I, I agree with you. I think yeah. I agree with you there. And, but Yeah. And so I was seeing it used as most of the time. It was like a, there's there's certainly a separation, at least in spirit. Yes. That was absolutely, in my mind, defying the scripture and all the, the talk of forgiveness and unity. And, um, you know, we're all so very broken people. I mean, I... I don't know how people can stay married without just forgiving each other all the time. You hurt each other all the time. Of course. Yeah. Of course. When it's I a way of life. That's right. When I think about separation, the goal always, you know, for someone who's really been been harmed tremendously, then uh, the goal is to separate them for a healing process right. in order to restore them. Yeah. So oh, that, yeah. We're and taking so, people out of trauma, for example, get away from the trauma. That's what I'm absolutely. Ta- that's what I'm talking about. And so, if they're in a situation where they're being harmed over and over and over and over again, so this is another boundary issue and safe people mm-hmm. issue. There are Christians who say you just need to tough it out and learn to forgive. And mm-hmm. I don't think that that's the answer always. Yeah. No, of course not. Not always. But the but always the goal in separation is to heal. And then to return so that there can be yeah. reconciliation. Let me That's you, always the goal. Let me tell you how it was being used in, in my estimation. Okay, yeah. Um, I, uh, I've heard the word abuse thrown uh-huh. around a lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what it means anymore. Fair enough. So if a woman comes to me and she says, my husband is abusive, yeah. I want to know, okay, what are we talking about? Yeah. What's the nature of this? Right. Is he beating you up? Yes. Is he screaming in your face and you know spitting, flying out of his mouth, and he's yelling, and his veins are popping out, and you're mm-hmm. terrified? Mm-hmm. Is he, you know, what what is he doing? Let yeah, me, what's going on? Uh, what is the abuse? Yeah, and um and as I ask a series of questions of some people who have said this to me, uh, it it's rather embarrassing sometimes. The answer, mm-hmm. it's a really vague sort of, um, you know, he always kind of has to have his way, and mm-hmm. um, it, when I finally get to the bottom of it. Yeah. I, I, in my, what I've dis- discerned is that they don't like him anymore, mm-hmm. that he's a pain in their butt. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he's a bit of a jerk. Sure. You know, maybe he's hard to live with. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to be around him and I want to get divorced and I'm going to use the word abuse. Right. Um, the way that our society has permitted it to be used. I see. Yes. And now we're talking about trauma and, um, how dare you. Uh, judge the le- legitimacy of certain levels of trauma. Yes, and I say, oh, you have to do that. Yes, of you have you to evaluate of the level of trauma. Do. Of course you do. Um, and and there may be a place that that feels very traumatic to you, mm-hmm. but you are you need so much growth because you're being a huge baby. Yes, 
You know? Yes, absolutely. That is a big problem in our society. Yes. And so anytime those words are thrown around, I don't immediately say, oh, gosh, she's being abused. What do we do? We got to separate her. Sure, right? sure, sure. We oh, got to get to the bottom of it. I'm with you 100%. Yeah? What, what's the nature of this? And is this really what we're saying it is? Or is this kind of the way out? Yeah. Right? Yeah, is this yeah, a, yeah. Is it being used as a tool? Um, and in that way, those books I've seen in, in more than one situation, multiple situations, not just this one church, multiple situations I've seen where they, they, this becomes a tool in the hand of someone who is looking for validation of separating or causing uh, further discord and not working on the hard parts of forgiveness, reconciliation, uh, dialogue, because those things hurt. Yeah. And I want to say, welcome to the human race. Welcome to life on this planet. Yes. Um, there's a certain fortitude that you must develop through this. Yes. And and running to, quote, safe places as a as an answer for all of these minor or even mid-range things, I, I don't think is helping. Mm-hmm. Now, if someone's beating you up, we got to get you separated. Right. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, and not just beating you up, but, but there's... Um... Yeah, and other other things like that. Things yeah. like that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's right. This is what we would call a toxic environment. Right. Uh, but again, what's the nature of it? Because that word has, I don't know if that means right. anymore. It, it's, it's almost yeah. meaningless. But there are there is real abuse, and there real is absolutely there's real toxicity, and um, and yeah, basically it sounds like people uh, that you know are weaponizing these relational skills. Absolutely. And that is. Awful, absolutely awful. Um, but it doesn't. That doesn't negate the value of having actual relational skills Correct. and emotional health. Correct. Um, which are so important and skills that can be taught. I'm living proof of that. I'm living proof of that. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 many people that I have taught are also living proof of that. That yeah. that these things really do. It's same for me. I think I've you know by way of confession a, a little while ago. Um, if I had received hard words from people and I learned to listen from reading the Proverbs, you know, that I I don't want to be a fool who denies rebuke. I want to listen to it and be a wise man. But there are times when it was, um, it was too much. It was too hard. It was too cruel even. Mm -hmm. And, um, as I got older, I was able to say, Hey, you know, I started backing that off. Um, but for a while there, I not only received it, but I did it. Because yeah. I thought that's what was that was being taught to me, right? Right. right. And then I realized that not everyone thinks like mm-hmm. you and I do. We think very similarly. Mm-hmm. We do. Uh, we have very similar, uh, but there are some differences. And um, oh, yeah. But you understand the NT personality and the sure, you know, sure, sure. Uh, I'm an ENTJ. You're an INTJ. Correct. Uh, and that that particular profile. Yeah. You know the Myers Briggs. Um, yeah. So we we would be different on the Enneagram and other. Sure. You know we. The disc and all that. I'm still waiting for someone to teach me the Enneagram. I, I've heard that it's really good, <laughs> yeah. but I haven't been able to figure it out. So yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, there, there. I when I heard and learned that people think differently, very differently. Yes. And they don't have the same reality that I have. Yes. Um, for good or for bad. Yes. Uh, pros and cons. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. That I needed to remember that people don't receive truth the same way that I do. Right. Right. That I can receive it with a slap in the face, and I'll yes. still try to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Most people do not do that. That's right. And so I have learned that, yeah. right? I've I had to, to dial back my willingness to speak into someone directly yeah. and to say, okay, I need a better bedside manner. I need, mm-hmm. or maybe I won't say anything at all, mm-hmm. but, um, and I don't, I don't feel like I, I, I need to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, uh, people receive things differently. People receive things differently. That's right. That's right. So that's helpful. That's sanctifying. Yes, um, for sure. But we don't. I don't want it to get crazy. Our society has a way of taking helpful things and making them crazy. Yes, that's right. And that has seeped into the church. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's what you mean, our society. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty terrible. It you know all of this reminds me a little bit of um, in uh, the Gospel of John when Lazarus dies, Jesus um, waits until he dies. He's sick. He, Jesus waits until he dies, and then he comes to the home of his good friends, uh, uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, who are siblings. And Lazarus has died. Martha, as as Jesus approaches the town, Bethany. She runs out to him and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who comes to me will live, even though he dies. It, it goes on this theological right. treatise yeah. um, that is amazing. And right. uh, later this week, I'm going to uh, do a funeral, and I'm, I'm going to use that passage and talk about it. It's wonderful. Then uh, Jesus goes into the home, and Mary is there, and she yeah. says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. She says, word for word, right. the exact John's same thing. John's intentional about that, I think. Yeah. Word for word, the exact same thing. And his response is what? He weeps. He weeps, yeah. He weeps. Because even though these two ladies, um, sisters, yeah. um, are say the exact same thing, they mean different things. And, and they they're have, asking, they have different needs. They have different yeah. needs, and they and Jesus knows them. And this is what I, this is kind of what I was talking about when I said it's good to know people, and right. when you know someone, you're able to help them in the in a unique way. And so, yeah, we're everybody has different needs. Everybody, even with the same words, means different things and is looking for different things. And our his response is not just bald truth, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not the same every time. It's it's for he he was intuitive and he like okay this is what this person in front of me needs right now yeah you know one of the things I that I discovered about um, my thinking mm-hmm. is that when I had a, an issue I wanted a guru who could yeah. help me yeah. find an answer yeah and I wasn't it couldn't just be anybody me too right this, <laughs> yeah because because I would have figured it out if it was just you know something that any old person could figure out right. I would have figured yeah. it out yeah. Um, so I needed I needed someone who really knew their stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I would seek those people out and ask them very particular questions, trying to get very particular answers. Yes. I never, never really needed someone to to sit with me and cry with me. Mm. But I'm realizing, and I, over the years, I've realized that most people do want that. They don't want the first. Yes. They don't want a direct uh, bit of information. It's too painful. It's too raw. They would rather have the relational. It's like when they did an experiment of um, they took a baby monkey and they put it in a, in a room yeah. where it didn't know anything, and they had yeah. they had a soft, fuzzy sort of um, mm-hmm. model monkey, and they had one that had uh, milk, you know, like nourishment. That was wire, and it yeah, that was that, that didn't have the fur on it, right? Mm-hmm. And it immediately would run to the fur, mm-hmm. right? Protection, mm-hmm. comfort, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking about safety first, not nourishment, not being mm-hmm. fed. And um, so I've had to. Those to baby develop monkeys some actually would go and and eat the food, drink the milk of the of the wire mother um, when they were hungry, and then immediately go, go back, back to, to the fur the fur mother. Yeah. And actually, that is one of the experiments that it, it talks an enormous amount, or uh, from on which a lot of a lot of the research based on attachment uh, styles and right. attachment uh, struggles that people have, like I have, uh, and many people have, 
uh, that's a lot of like th- this is this is a biological need mm-hmm. that affects people for the rest of their lives if it's not done properly. Right. Anyway, yeah. sorry, I, I keep going. Yeah. So I was just saying that that's uh, that was somewhat of an epiphany at some point in my past where you know I realized that that um, the peering into someone's life and giving them the, the truth mm-hmm. um, isn't always well received. Or in, in many cases, isn't uh, not only not well received, um, is not helpful. Correct. Um, and yet, and this is why this is my caveat when I'm counseling people mm-hmm. as a pastor. I say mm-hmm. I'm not a counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that a lot too. Yeah, I, I'm not a professional. They've logged thousands of hours yeah. and uh, with oversight and with, with a different kind of education. Yep. What I can do is I can help discern what's going on. And if you want help, I will tell you what I think you need to hear. Mm-hmm. And that may be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But if you if you really want help, and you know, in other words, acute counseling is what I call it. Yeah. I can really help you in the short term. But if you need someone who's going to like, uh, you need to build a rapport with. Yes. You need to establish trust and they need yes. to validate you a lot. Yes. And, and, and they need to hold your hand a lot. Yes. Um, you need to go to a professional counselor. Yes. Because not only do I not have the skills or expertise, I don't have the time yes, as a pastor. That's right. And that's not your calling. And a lot of people need that. I needed that for a long time, and I uh-huh. probably will in the future. Uh, for sure, for sure. That stuff is so valuable, so valuable. But that's not your calling, and no, neither is it yeah. mine. And yet you and I have interacted on that level of counseling one another. Oh, and yeah. Have you found any any help in my counsel? <laughs> <laughs> that's a loaded you, question. Okay, yeah. so you, when you say that you and I have interacted on that level, on what level? That we have we have sought to counsel each other more than just, you know, be friends and 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 say, hey, hey, sorry, buddy, let's let's drink a beer, you know. Yes, we've talked at a more counsel level for both in both directions. Yes, we have yeah. been. We yeah. So in in both directions, that's right. So yeah. I will say that that relationship, is, although it's not exactly a counseling relationship, the way a professional counselor works, that is a different sort of relationship. But that kind of hand holding, listening, validating. Um, very slow moving. We, you and I have done that kind of work with each other over True. The, over twenty years that we've known each other. True. And your hand holding my hand in that sense um, has been very beneficial to me. Very beneficial to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and kind of walking slowly through and waiting to to confront me or to you know to tease things out slowly. I, I know that you have done that. As opposed to like really strong confronting, but that's because I, yeah. I think that. But I think I've done that too, haven't I? Yes. Wait, wait. You've done have, what? Have too? I have I come across more in the acute sense? Oh, you have. You yeah. have at times. Was but it was that at all helpful or not helpful? Usually not. <laughs> <laughs> no, that kind. I, I will say. Um, how can I say this? When I, when I was a pastor, I remember one of the things that my elders said to me that. Um, was very, very helpful that I had not thought about. But I, I'll say uh, it was very helpful to me, and I will say this to you as a pastor and as my pastor. Uh, so this is what they said to me, and I will say it to you now, that I, from my experience with you, you do your best counseling in the pulpit. Hmm. Because there's some, it, that is easy, it's easier to hear hard words there than one-on-one. And I think that's probably, I mean, how can I say? There are times when people have confronted me one-on-one, and maybe you, I'm trying to think of a few times when you have confronted me one-on-one. Occasionally, 
I need all of us need to be just stopped in our tracks with mm-hmm. some big massive thing. But that is not a normal. I don't think it has to be massive, like Nathan and David. You know, you're the you're the man. Okay, but, let me tell okay. this. You know, I don't think it has to be that. But the, right. but the you're the man. It wasn't even that big. It was big to David. It was big to David, and um, there are when that has happened to me. Uh, it is really big to me, and probably the person who's saying it doesn't remember hardly anything they said, but it just is, is a massive thing to me, mm-hmm. where maybe sometimes people try to confront me really strongly, and it just rolls off my back, because I, I just, it doesn't work, but it somehow, in, in, the, in the interpersonal thing, when you're just sitting across from somebody, or, or drinking a beer with them, or, or on a walk or something, that those typically can be... Uh, uh, the hand-holding method is, I think, much better in that context, mm-hmm. um, which we all need. But from the pulpit, you can say something that's more authoritative, and it it, it is more the voice of God, I think. Hmm. What do you think about that? I think that's I think that's true for me. But like I said, I I, I think I I maybe trained myself to listen to hard words, okay, and really appreciate them and try to get in line or to have. Um, a more quick or radical shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how I learned that or why I learned that, if it was merely reading the Proverbs or if it's has more to do with personality or life experience. I don't know. I, I would like to know how to put that into people because I think it would be beneficial for everyone to do that. Sure. Um, but it, I, I did learn at some point that oh, this is this is a, a minority of people who mm-hmm. who respond to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was rather normal, mm-hmm. but that's just because that's the way I think. Right. Yeah. And I think I'm closer to that than most people mm-hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I've um, I've had good opportunities in acute counseling. And I've seen real change. And mm-hmm. I've seen uh, you know been able to help people, mm-hmm. but I also know. Um, as everyone should know, and I think this is getting back to boundaries, um, that I am not a licensed professional yes. counselor. Yes, yes, yes. And um, and I can sit there and not offer. I can do that, mm-hmm. but I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And especially if I get a good read on what's going on, mm-hmm. I'm you know I have to like and I have to wait mm-hmm. like several sessions to like <laughs> get to where I, you know what I want to say and what they need to hear. Yeah, um, that's frustrating. Uh, and so I know like how to do that, mm-hmm. but I just don't think I would enjoy that or want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, that's not your calling. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but honestly, that may be what the person needs. Right. And that's where I feel like, uh, you know, there's a healthy boundary or, mm-hmm. or understanding to say, Hey, I don't know if I'm the right guy for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like your situation, you might need to talk to, you know, and, and, and refer to people, to mm-hmm. counselors all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, good, good, yeah. good, good. Yeah, and I, th- I think there's some people who try to take that on. They shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, some pastors, I think, just because they're a pastor, they think they're a counselor. Yeah. Um, and because they know the Bible, that they know everything. I don't right. know what that is, but, yeah. um, you know, it, there's a difference. I've met people like that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. In, in, uh, and not all counseling is good. I mm-hmm. get that. And some of it's been horribly unhelpful. Yes. Uh, and some of it is, uh, it just goes on and on. And there isn't, a, a, they're never turning a corner and never like giving them truth and helping them. Oh, that's and, not helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know people, they, they have that criticism and therefore they might take matters into their own hands. And, um, but I more and more have just decided I need to stay in my lane. Right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, and to know the kind of counseling that you can do, I think it's helpful if you can recognize, hey, th- uh, 
this may take practice or it may take uh, time. I don't know. But if you can recognize, for some people who are are not going to respond well to uh, a confrontation, and they need that handhold, for you to just say, you know what? Uh, I, right. I, I could say under my breath, I know what you need, yeah, but I'm not going to say it. Right. I don't know what you need. I think maybe you should go see a counselor. Right. <laughs> right. right. Because because then it's, uh, you know, then it, that is so, um, squashing your own impulse to be right, right and be the savior and whatever uh, as a way to be of service to them. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I think I've, one of my criticisms as with this kind of personality that I think mm-hmm. is is valid mm-hmm. of the uh, of the denomination or, is, or the, of the church maybe mm-hmm. is that uh, I feel like relationship trumps truth. Mm. It triumphs over truth. Mm. That um, not only do you need enough relationship to be able to speak the truth to certain people, but the truth is completely conditional upon a relationship. Hmm. And I can give you multiple examples of where something was going on and a, a relationship, uh, a pastor had a relationship with another pastor mm-hmm. or, or a group of pastors that got mm-hmm. together for lunch or something. Mm-hmm. And this pastor was doing something that was um, questionable. And, um, and there was not the willingness or ability to confront yeah. or to serve on the 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 role that Presbytery has to love the church and protect its members mm-hmm. from even mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. Uh, because of that relationship. Mm-hmm. The relationship was more important than the truth. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I I I have been touched by that sort of thing personally quite mm-hmm. a bit as well, and I know just what you mean. And yeah, that's yeah. that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem. The truth must come first. Yes. And the at risk of the relationship. Yes. At times. Yes. Uh, not always, but yes. at times, right? Um, in other words, I think someone put it this way, where there is no truth, there is no love. Um, you don't really love the person if you're not willing to speak truth. It's like it's like saying you love your child but never disciplining them. Yeah. Never confronting them, letting them you know, grow up themselves and, and make their own decisions, and that would be horrible and it is people yeah. parents parent that way and their kids come they're entitled little brats or they're you know whatever they haven't learned any any social norms or mm-hmm. you know if you love your kids you must discipline them consistently yes. lovingly faithfully yes um just as much as you you know you wrap your arms around them and tell them you love you have to do that too yeah sure um but the the two go hand in hand in yeah they mind. do they do yeah and in the circumstances i'm thinking of and it sounds like what you're talking about is has a lot to do with justice as well yeah. And so, uh, which I think is slightly different than truth, but of course, truth, justice, and love are all, you know, kind of aspects of each other, right. in a sense. Um, and so, yeah, justice needs to be done, uh, even on, and the other, on the other hand, relationship is also very important. I've seen people uh, be so zealous about truth or so zealous right. about justice right. that they don't care about relationship, and that's also equally problematic and evil, I will say. Yeah. I think for me, there there have come times where the relationship was, um, I was building a relationship and seeking a relationship and making lots of effort towards a relationship. And then we got to an impasse yeah. over truth, over mm. over justice, over principle Yeah, that, um, that I could not, for the life of me, yeah. uh, wrap my brain around yeah. how someone could 
behave this way or act or, or think this, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. And I'm sure that that rings true for a lot of people out there. Sure. Um, and I can't, I'm not going to give specifics about that story, but um, uh, I think that, that in this case, in this story that I'm thinking of, um, it's not a minor yeah. issue, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a minor thing. And so uh, that that's, uh, the relationship therefore is no more. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. You know, this this touches on what a lot of evangelical churches are struggling with these days, and that is various kinds of um, sexual abuse in nurseries and, wow. um, the, you know, those kinds of things where it's covered up. And uh, you've also got, uh, just recently, the the podcast, the the rise and fall of Mars Hill, where you've got someone who is just willing right. to be just you know the church is allowing this person, this pastor, to run amok, um, and they are not bringing justice um, because they somehow think that he's uh, you know so gifted that he he's above reproach because of his gifting, uh, and you got all kinds of sexual abuse scandals in the church as well, right, for the same reasons. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's the world is broken, and there's all kinds of um, issues that are that are very legitimate, yeah, and, and significant problems. Um, but I just wanted to throw that out there as, as a way of, of of balancing, of nuancing, which is what we do, trying yeah. to bring people together and say, hey, don't. Uh, I've seen people who are firmly in one camp, and they see the errors of that camp, and what they do is they jump ship and go all the way to the other side. Yeah, and and. Where you were, there was something that was wrong, and there's also something that was right, and on the mm-hmm. all the way on the other side is the same thing. Yeah. It's just so the let's opposite. just let's try to to appreciate the complexity and work through it. Yes. Um, that those books are helpful in certain scenarios, and 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 with proper use, they can also divide people and break down the church and dissolve relationships with some righteous justification. Improper use. Yeah. 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 That's right. And let's yeah. For sure, for sure. And hopefully people, you know, let's be more willing to try to hear truth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and to forgive and to move toward yeah. relationship. Yep. Absolutely. Hey, this is Dave with the Hopper Podcast. If you can't find a politician or a media outlet that represents your views, you're not alone. You've got a home right here. We've broken free from the cultural and political narratives that dominate the landscape. There are more of us than you might realize. So help us grow the Hopper Podcast. Find your favorite episode and click the share button and put it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or somewhere else. Thanks. So, Willie, we uh, we recorded a few episodes, um, and we've gotten some feedback, which we're always uh, uh, excited to get. Love the feedback. Yes. And in, in one case, it was about the episode on transgenders and sports. Yeah. And um, one of our listeners made the point that that if you add economics into that discussion, uh-huh. there's a whole new motivation for people to change genders, um, to tap into uh, lots of resources that are out there. Anytime you um, throw money into the situation, you're going to mess things up. And so I thought that was a great point. We didn't really talk about the money motivation that people would have. And I appreciate the feedback. That was from Evan. Thanks, Evan. Yeah, Evan, that's a great point. We didn't talk about it, but, but you're exactly right. Money changes everything. It does. Um, he also has a point here about uh, our China episode. Oh, okay. Uh, uh-huh. About you know what's going on with China and uh, how they've they've done so much for their country in terms of poverty, and yet there's they, they've there's some conflict over Taiwan. 
And, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of background information, in, and he seems to have a lot more. Uh, he was a little uncomfortable with us saying we didn't know. <laughs> oh, well, it, yeah. yeah, there's uh, a lot we that said, we don't know. I don't know more than than our other episodes. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, so um, uh, then he gives a little bit of a, a historical background that I found really helpful uh, as to what the conflict over Taiwan uh, is all about. And, and actually, in reading even this brief description, I realized this is very complicated. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're going back into the early 1900s, and the Soviet Union is involved in different parties in kind of a Chinese civil war that's then put on pause as they fight the Japanese. Um, and, you know, th- there are two different parties laying claim to China, and one of them's forced off the mainland to Taiwan. And Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. So thanks, Evan, for all that information. Um, likewise, we got some com- uh, comments from another listener about China. And I want to talk about that for a minute, too. Okay. Um, and some of it's, uh, I think, really um, helpful. There's some um, some tips on, you know, what should Christians do about global politics since we're sitting here saying, what do we do? We don't know. Yeah, we didn't give um, any advice about how to move forward. We're just kind of despairing about yeah. it, I think, in the end. That was not good. Um, he says, you know, one, talk to your representative. Great um, idea. Two, yeah, live as Christians, uh, as Christ taught us to live, you know, not as a— as a, uh, political pundits, and, and then we totally, I mean, that's what we've been, Absolutely. We've been touting all along. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then three, you can even run for office and get involved in uh, politics. Thanks for the... Uh, Another great idea. Yeah, this is a listener named John. Thanks for those um, tidbits. Yeah. Um, and then, <clears throat> I think he said that I was pushing that democracy is the best government on earth. Um, I don't remember saying that. Uh, I don't. I don't even think I believe that. Uh, I've had conversations with uh, folks who are very Christian nationalists, and I'll say, well, you know, the the, the best government is a uh, is a dictatorship. Sure. And and they'll they'll like, what? What are you talking uh-huh, about? And I uh-huh, say, that, of yeah. course, to get a rise out of them. And then I say, uh-huh, well, yeah. If Jesus is the king uh-huh. of this kingdom, then that's the best government on earth. Indeed. And, well, well, of course, of course. And oh, then yeah, I, yeah, I agree yeah. with it. Okay. Well, if Jesus is out of the equation. Uh, I mean, he's not physically, bodily here running the government. Um, then I, I think I do believe that democracy is the best option since people are sinners. Mm. Now, if you get a benevolent dictator, you get a you get a king who really loves and serves his people and is that way Christ-like, um, that can be a pretty good government as long as that person is around and doesn't lose their marbles or doesn't get tired of certain things and start to take advantage of people. But uh, we got to ask ourselves, how often does that really happen? That's a good point. I mean, I've got a, I've got a lot of history, uh, and we've we've seen over and over and over again that if you give someone absolute power, it corrupts them absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that is the that sinful disposition. So yeah. this this the concept of a benevolent dictator or a you know a happy kingdom is certainly possible, and I think there are people who are uh, Christ-like enough that that can that can be a pretty good government. Yeah. But what happens when they're gone? Yeah. Uh, and their kids start fighting over who's taking the throne and yeah. who gets the power. Yeah. And we've just seen this way too many times. Yeah. And so if there are checks and balances, there's systems in places that, that prevent that kind of exploitation. Um, then, you know, I, you're going to be hard pressed to tell me or any Gen Xer who grew up watching Star Wars <laughs> that the best government <laughs> is to have 
you know, uh, Darth Sidious, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> making yeah. everyone's rules because of the peace and order and the, and the empire that's maintained. Um, but uh, anyway, what do you say? Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. I think uh, a particular democracy could be absolutely evil in its sure. uh, application, and a particular uh, dictatorship uh, could be actually really, really beneficial and helpful to people. But I think that as I look at history and look at the various dictatorships and look at the various democracies, generally speaking, democracy is better than dictatorships. And the reason is, I think, what you just pointed out, that uh, people are sinful, and when you give someone power, they are likely to use it sinfully. And to uh, and, and so we want to take power away from individuals and give it to the massive masses, you know, to lots of people to distribute power. Mm-hmm. And that's that's my preference. But it's you know a particular democracy could be terrible, and a particular di- uh, dictatorship could be good. So it's uh, generally I prefer democracy, but. Uh, um, that that's not true in all cases. Democracy isn't a good in and of itself. Thanks for listening to The Hopper Podcast. Let's keep the conversation going about things that matter and things that don't. Write us at thehopperpodcast at gmail.com or record a short voice memo on your phone and send it to thehopperpodcast at gmail.com. Join us next time when we will discuss why all babies look the same. Yeah. They really do. Yeah, well, they're small. I'm sure you know someone else who needs to listen to The Hopper Podcast. Be a pal and tell them about the show. Send them the link. And if they still don't listen, open up a fresh can on them. That sounds great. Be sure to subscribe or follow. You don't want to miss any of the Hopper goodness. The Hopper podcast is produced with the help of chubby pink cowboys everywhere.